1: I want to continue in this series entitled Emmanuel, and last week we really kind of did a a, a deep dive into into what it means uh, God is with us, right? And oftentimes we hear messages during Christmas about hope. Right? It's always these hope messages, and, and I think that's important, but I kind of wanted us to go a little bit deeper with understanding uh, God being with us. And, and, and so last week, we kind of unpacked some very important points that I want to connect this week to coming from the Old Testament. And so, Emmanuel, God with us. I want us to go, we're still in the book of Isaiah. I want you all to meet me over in, the, in Isaiah chapter 9. Meet me over in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter nine, and, and this is a very familiar passage, and I'm going to start with uh, verse one. Isaiah chapter nine, Old Testament, starting with verse one, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. <laughs> Glory to God! <laughs> I'm hearing voices. <laughs> it's the echo. Chapter 9, verse 1. Here we go. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Pause really quick. I'm going to do this for this whole message today. We're going to read through all of this, but I'm going to stop in between because I've got to help you. Because I just said something, and y'all sat there, and it was like, oh, my goodness, you know, he's just reading. But I want you to make this personal. Here it is. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. That's a shouting moment in case you missed it. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. Here's the good part. But there will be a time in the future... When Galilee, watch this, not of the Jewish people, when Galilee of everybody who is not Jewish, this land which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, here it is, will be filled with glory. That is not just good news for you and I, that's incredible news. Because that time is now. For this time in the New Testament, for the first time, what I just said here, for the first time in the Old Testament, Isaiah presents a new idea. Everything up until this point has only been about the Jewish people, the people of Israel. Everything from the Old Testament up until this point, there's never any promise mentioned to people who are non-Jewish. There's always about God is going to, he delivers them from the bondage of slavery from Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. He's taking them to the Promised Land. They're fighting all kind of battles. They win some, they lose some, they win some, they lose some. And for the first time, there's a shift change where it's not about the people of Israel. Here it is. He's making it plain that even those who are not believers Even those who are not Jewish people, even those who can't trace their lineage, guess what? All of you who are non-Jews, the glory is coming for you. Here's why that's significant. Because last week we talked about a coming Messiah. And his name will be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's coming, watch this, not for Jewish people, but he's coming for everyone who is non-Jew. That's exciting news for us. And that right there... (laughs) gives further proof why Jesus came. Because we read in the New Testament when they talk about Jesus and, and they talk about the Messiah and the Pharisees like, can anything good come from Galilee? And you know why they said that? Because Galilee was where people who were not Jewish lived. And Jesus comes from where? The place where people are not Jewish. Isaiah prophesied about this thousands of years before it happened. And here it is, we're talking about it. The Messiah, who is and is to come, is born to bring hope and restore joy to not only the people of Israel, but to those who are not Jewish as well. That means me and you and, well, maybe not me, because I did my Ancestry.com and I discovered that my people are from the Middle East. So maybe there's a part of me that's, I'm just joking. (laughs) y'all were getting so tight I figured I had to have a comedic break in there that's good news my brothers and sisters because we know that Jesus came watch this not for just those people but for you and I and we see that in the New Testament that happened let's continue verse 2 man that's only verse 1 that's so much meat in verse 1 it's crazy let's go to verse 2 the people who walk in darkness will see a great light for those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Do you not see that the times that we're in now are dark? Divisive. There's, there's threats of war in our land, in our country. People are saying crazy things. Like uh, I saw something on the news the other day. You know, as we're going through this great political uproar right now in this country, I saw a guy who said they, they asked the guy, "Say, hey, what happens if the president is is impeached?" Is and and this guy said, "He won't be removed from the White House." And and the reporter said, "Well, well, how do you know? How can you guarantee that?" He said, "My three fifty seven Magnum," and I guarantee that this man claims to be a Christian. We're in dark times when we, when we confuse our polity with God's piety. We're, we're in a dark time, and, and so, so when I read this, what Isaiah says, this prophetic word that came forth about the coming Messiah who came, who, uh, who did come for not just people of Israel but for the Gentiles, and I see that we're in this dark land because we're in a divisive time here More homeless people than we could ever count. In one of the richest nations in the world, we're in a dark time. We are in the land of the Gentiles. This place called the United States of America. This is Gentile land. This is where we are. This message is relevant for you and I today. So the people who walk in darkness will see great light. For those who live in a land of darkness, a light will shine. That's us. We walk in darkness. And oftentimes, some people will preach this thing and say, those who are walking in sin. Mm. And darkness doesn't mean sin. Darkness is just a place where the light does not exist, Mm. right? And so if light does not exist in a place, that simply means that you may not have been enlightened yet. That don't mean you're sinning. Mm. And there are so many people like you and I that have not been enlightened yet. There are so many people that just have not received the authentic word. There are so many people that call themselves Christians, which you and I know they're cultural Christians that are walking around in the dark, but they claim to be Christians, but they have not been enlightened. So when I I read this passage about the people who walk in darkness will see the great light, it's not talking about people who are walking a sinful life. There are people who are just walking in a world that they don't see the light, where they have not been enlightened, they have not been awakened, they have not been taught the authentic word of God. And we know from this passage so far, these are Gentile people who could not worship with the Jewish people. They had their own court, which was one of the furthest courts. They were so far back, you had the animals before the Gentile court. Yep. Follow me. Read the Bible. You can see the, the, the design of the temple and the, and the holy courts. The furthest court back was the Gentile court. The animals had closer reverence than, the, than them. They were like in the same area. So they were never enlightened. So oftentimes when we read about darkness in the Bible, it's either associated with sin or distress. However, in these verses, the focus is on distress, how the people had just suffered from a brutal attack of the Assyrians. Verse 3, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. That's a powerful thing. Catch what I just said. He says here, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Harriet Tubman is they, to, they quoted her about how many slaves she rescued. And she always would say, I would have rescued more, but they just didn't realize they were slaves. And that's the problem with Christians, right? There are so many Christians that need salvation, but they don't realize they're in bondage to culture. They're in bondage. To patriotism, they're in bondage to stuff, but they don't realize there's so many more. Oh, preaching is more. So many more Christians that need to be saved, but they don't realize that they're in bondage. Yeah. And this is what I love about this passage, and, and, and is it, that there are so many of us in bondage. But here's the good news: that 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 God says this Messiah Jesus, the one whom we celebrate in this season, that He will break the yoke of slavery. Not just the physical slavery, he's talking about a mental slavery because the people of Israel still were in this mental slave mentality. They had been rescued from Egypt. They've already crossed the Red Sea, but mentally they were still in bondage. And, And Jesus is coming to break that yoke and carry, watch this, the burden from their shoulders. He says, You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when, uh, when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms, blood stained by war, will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For unto us, a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Catch this. Guess what? This, 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 this is good scripture right here. This is good teaching. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Let me show you how beautiful the Bible puts this together in this wonderful mosaic, this wonderful amalgamation, this beautiful tapestry that was so well woven together so you can understand how this Old Testament passage and the New Testament of it connects. Check this out. For a child is born to us. To be born represents how he will enter the earth. The Bible tells us, and I shared with you last week, that he will be born through a virgin. So he had to come, watch this, in the form of a human. He had to go through the same birth process as a human, right? He enters the earth through a human as a human. A child is born. That's the prophetic word given. Then it says, to be given in his purpose. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Y'all got quiet. Let me put it together. I said too much. This prophetic word presented in the book of Isaiah, way before the Messiah even was born through his virgin mother. He's telling us here's what's going to happen a child will be born, but he will be given. So he's born, he had to come to fulfill prophecy. <laughs> Jesus had to be born through a virgin because prophetic words said he would come. From a virgin. So he had to be born in human likeness. But he had to be given by his father. Not Joseph, but the father. Abba, our father. And then we see this in the next version of this. In the New Testament, where? In John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. And Isaiah says that's exactly what happens. We know Jesus was born of a virgin. I told y'all last week about the debate I had with the young sister where she, <laughs> she had issues with, with Jesus' resurrection and, and the virgin birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I shared that with y'all how I showed her. I said, Well, you know, uh, do you believe? And, you know, I have witnesses who were there. I said, Well, do you believe that, that a virgin can have a conceived child? She said, No. I said, Well, there's in vitro fertilization, it happens all the time. Oh, where women who've never had sexual engagement through the process of in vitro fertilization can deliver and be impregnated and deliver a child they just use medicine in order for the egg to be fertilized for the egg to be fertilized by the sperm i said do you believe that, that a person pronounced dead can be brought back to life no i said well through the defibrillators and other forms of medicine we can bring somebody pronounced dead back to life which is a form of resurrection i said so it, your issue is not your belief in the virgin birth or the belief in the resurrection, you just said you believe in those two things. Your issue is the mechanism of how it happened. Right? And she's like, oh, you're right, you're right. And so what I'm showing you here is that Isaiah said exactly this would happen. He said it millennials before it actually happened. And I'm trying to point out to you that it did happen for a, for a child. Here it is in this beautiful poem, this beautiful tapestry. He shows us that for us, a, he said, for a child is born to us. The only way a person can be born is going through the birth canal or cesarean section, but you have to be in the form of a human. You've got to be in somebody's womb to be born. But in order to be given, you've got to be born first. And here we see that what Isaiah said happened. He was born and God gave. The government will rest on his shoulders. The government is the ruling authority, the executive order and enforcer of law. It was this burden of the oppressors who were the ruling authority that God, watch this, lifted from the shoulders of the people of Israel and the Gentiles in verse 4. What did I say in verse 4? Let's go back and see for you will break the yoke of the slave you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders and then we see right here in this same passage that the government will rest on his shoulder god in that moment he said listen Y'all got all of this weight on you from your oppressor, from the government. Y'all worried about what's happening in the Dow Jones. Y'all worried about what's happening in the White House. Y'all worried about what's happening in in your jobs, your boss's office, and in that house. But you ain't thinking about what's going on in your house. But I want to tell you something today. I'm going to lift the burden off of you so you don't have to worry about no house except for the house, the kingdom of God. He lifted burden. That the oppressors had on them, The government enforcers of the time. He said I'm going to carry this. This is where we find the scripture that says. Listen take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy. And the burdens is light. He said if you would just connect with me. Which is as simple as just saying. I yield to you. Lord I submit to you. Lord you are the ruler and leader of my life. He said if you would just link to me. All the burdens you worry about in life. I'll carry them for you. To make your load light. To yoke with somebody. You got to understand the agricultural theme here. When the, when the, when the farmer put the yoke on the ox, and this is what they would do historically... They would yoke a younger bull with an older bull so that the younger bull would know how to operate because of the older bull. The older bull had been pulling a long time. He knows what potholes to avoid. He knows how to pull that thing. He knows when you're going up a hill or going down a hill. So they would yoke an inexperienced younger bull with an older one. Why? So the younger one could watch the example of the older one and know how to traverse this thing called life in the field of life. And so what God is saying here is if you yoke with the experienced one, my son Jesus, who came and died for your sins, the one who is the burden carrier, the one who is the way maker, the one who is the miracle worker in times of trouble. Listen, it would all work out. Ah. He said, yoke with my son because it's easy. All it requires is your commitment. All it requires is your confession. Confession. All it requires is that you would just receive me and call me the Lord of your life and let me lead your life. And once you do that, guess what? I got to wait. You ain't got to worry no more. He says, you, he says it here. He says, I lift the burdens off of your oppressor. What you getting mad about what's happening in politics? What you up here whining and moaning about that? What you worried about? Why are you getting mad because the interest rates are going up or down? What you worried about that for? what you looking at your bank account before you opening up your Bible for? Looking at your bank account ain't going to change it but reading your Bible will. Can I preach for a moment? He said, I'm taking the weight off of you. I've got the weight. I've, I've got this. The government rests on my shoulders. Everything, when we say the government, we're not talking about the White House. He's saying every ruling power... Here on this earth, I got every ruling power. What, 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 what does that mean, pastor? Your job, I got that. Your marriage, that's a ruling authority. That's a, I, I got that. Your children in school, I, I got that too. Your, your finances, I'll take that as well. All Every ruling authority here in the cosmos, here on earth, guess what? You ain't got to worry about, I got that. I've lifted it. I lifted it when I said it long. It was prophetically given to those in Israel and the Gentiles, which includes you. Don't worry about what tribe you come from. I've already lifted the burdens. The government, I take that. I'm the ruling authority now. But the only thing is you just have to yoke with me. Quit yoking (laughs) with self-help books. (laughs) Quit yoking with social media. (laughs) Quit yoking with Mama Nim. Quit, woke, quit yoking with your friends in them. Watch this. I'm about to step out here. I'm about to step out here and hurt myself. Quit yoking with pastor because pastor's still trying to yoke with me too. Ooh, I knew I wouldn't get no amens there. That's what that means, pastor. You ain't going to pray for me? No, I'm going to pray with you. We'll pray together because guess what? I don't have to pray just for you anymore. That, you see, when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was split, guess what? The prayer field became level. I have the exact same access you have. My access ain't no greater than yours. But when we touch and agree, the Bible says, we're well, two or three gather together and come to agreement on any matter. So shall it be. And God is with you. And that's what I do. That's what we do. All right, I got off on a tangent. Let's move on, let's move on, let's move on. Bible says he will be called the one who, the child who was born to us, the son who was given to us, the one who's, who, who the ruling authority rests on his shoulder. Guess what he's going to be called? This is the good news. This is where it gets really good. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. Uh, he, he shall be called the Mighty God. Uh, he will be called the Everlasting Father. Uh, he will be called the Prince of Peace. Would you would all give me just a few moments to break this down and give you all a shouting moment today? Here it is. Uh, the wonderful counselor. Wonderful. You got to stop. People just jump right into the counselor part, but you got to catch why they put wonderful. They could have said exuberant. They could have said fantastic. They could have said awesome, Robert. But they said, no, we're going to use the word wonderful because wonderful has a special meaning to it. Well, what does it mean, Pastor? Wonderful because we can't explain how he does it, why he does it, but we're always marveled in, in all when he does it. That's why we say wonderful because whenever we're in the grace and in the faith, of God, we should all be at all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I got some people that have testified that that it was, it was in your last hour. Some things was going to happen. You received a bad report but in the nick of time, God was right there on time and left you in awe. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You were complaining about getting late to work. Traffic stops, traffic lights all along the way. Somebody in front of you driving too slow but you got off the road a little bit and saw it was an accident that God helped you avoid. Uh, you were in awe about him. Uh, you looked in your bank account yesterday day it was negative, but somehow there was some suddenly money in your account. You ain't even know where it came from. Somebody know what I'm talking about. The doctor said you had some lumps on your breast. He said he saw some spots on your x-ray, but then when you went to the doctor, he said, I don't know what I was talking about. That was the wrong report. Somebody in here know what I'm talking about. When we are experiencing The blessings of God, he leaves us in awe because he is the only one worthy to be called awesome. He's wonderful counselor. This is why we say he's wonderful. We are always marveled and in awe when he does what he does. We call him the counselor because counselors, counselor. He, The counselor who guides us and comforts us. And here's the other part, affirms us. Catch this. I don't know about you, but one of my greatest discoveries in my adult life was discovering counseling. Uh, uh, and I'm not talking about me being a counselor, but going myself. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's taboo in our community that we see ther- seek therapy. And I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to release you from that. You need to get you some. It's the best thing since sliced bread. I'll tell you the truth about it. And then when I first discovered counseling, when I was done laying out all of my business in front of this person who knew me not before this moment, telling them all my stuff, I looked at the therapist and said, you okay? (laughs) Because I had a lot to lay out. But after speaking with this counselor who, who just simply sat there and listened and nodded and then said just a few words, it affirmed me. And that's what God does. That's what Jesus does as our counselor. He guides us, he comforts us, and he affirms us. He's the one who makes plans for us for good and not disaster. Uh, The one whose plan remained forever according to Psalms 3311. Do you realize he said, I make plans for you for good, not disaster. Why? To give you a hope and a future. But then Psalms 33 confirms that and says, and those plans I made, they last forever. So no matter what you're going through, if you go to the wonderful counselor, he'll remind you, didn't, didn't I tell you I made plans for you? Did, did, did you forget that? Can you meet me over in Psalm 33 and let me remind you that the plans I made for you, they are forever. In other words, what I made for you, what I laid for you, what I prepared for you, it's going to happen until forever comes. I know it don't look like it right now. I know you're going through some things right now. I know your heart is broken right now. I know things ain't lining up the way they're supposed to, but remember, I made plans for you for good, not disaster, to give you a hope in the future, and those plans are forever. Until we get to the end point, you're still qualified. Until we get to the end point, my promise will always be yes. And amen. Amen says that's final. Amen says that's it. It's the exclamation point on a perfect sentence. He says, my plans for you are forever. I know it don't look good now, but my plans for you still are forever. In other words, I might be letting you go through something because I need you to get, I need to get out of you something. Uh, I might be letting you go through something because you're still in that slave mentality. I might be letting you go through something because you turn into other resources before you turn to me I might be letting you go through something because you put more faith in your money than you do in your Bible I might be letting you go through something because you don't think that I can answer your prayers. Uh, let me remind you of people in the Bible who waited for ex- extreme long periods of time before God blessed them. Uh, let me remind you of people like a Job who went through some real bona fide mess, who lost a whole bunch of stuff, but God returned it tenfold. Let me remind you of Sarah, who was who was a uh, barren, couldn't have any kids, but even at her old age, God blessed her and made her a mother, not to a child, but a mother to nations let me remind you of those in wait let me remind you of a woman who had an issue with bleeding for a long time the Bible said but by her faith she said if I can just get close enough and touch the hem of his robe that'll be enough for me to get a healing sometime God will let you go through some stuff I bet you that woman was sitting there like where is God I'm bleeding I can't stop bleeding where is God 12 years I believe the Bible said or more 12 years. Some of y'all been waiting 12 minutes, and you still like, God, where are you? Been waiting 12 days. God, 12 days of Christmas, on the first day of Christmas, my true God should give to me the thing that I've been wanting under my tree. (laughs) This woman waited for 12 years, and God showed her in that moment. Remember what I said in Psalms 33. My plans are forever. Baby, forever ain't got here yet. Just keep on holding on. That's what the counselor does. He reminds you that my plans are forever. Just keep on holding on. Let me move on. So he's the mighty and wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. But guess what? This is the best part. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. That means he's strong and powerful. He's a mighty God. That means our strength when we're weak, becomes his strength. Uh, he's a mighty God. He's the Lord our God, mighty in battle. Uh, he's a mighty God. When we fight, he, when we fight and he's fighting for us, we win. He's a mighty God. There is none stronger, more powerful, none greater than our God. He is a mighty God. So why are you in here fighting with the devil for what? When the fight is already fixed, you fighting like you just playing around. The devil like, I know I can't win, but since you want to engage, let's do this. And God is like, stop. Get yourself out of here. Because at the name of Jesus. Have the name of Jesus. Demons have to flee. Yes. So you got your Duke up fighting for days and nights, stressing out, worried about this and worried about that. When all you got to say, in the name of Jesus, demon, you got to flee. Amen. And they have to. Why? Because the authority of the world has spoken. He is mighty in battle. We're fighting battles. He said, Stop fighting battles. The battle's not yours, the fight is mine. What you fighting for? Huh? What you you up here fighting for? I got this. Now get on out out the way. Let me handle this boy. I know how to handle him. Quit fighting. He is mighty. That's so powerful that he's mighty because when we're weak, he's strong. When we're too weak to pray, he sends the Holy Spirit to send utterances on our behalf. We don't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit is like, I got you. Let me say some things for you. Just open up your mouth. I got it from here. (laughs) When we can't heal ourselves, you know, we... We got, we got, we got Rafa, the healer. Mm-hmm. He is mighty in battle. He is our God. He is mighty. So he's a wonderful counselor. He's our strength when we need it. Here's the best part here. He's an everlasting father. Yeah. Woo, everlasting, meaning yeah, yeah. it's funny because I see these batteries I buy. They're, they're called Ever, Ever Ready, I think. And, and you think Ever Ready is supposed to last forever, right? They're supposed to be Ever last, right? Right, but they, they, they go out. Right, And you have to buy more to replace them. Right? Unless you're blessed enough to have the ever-ready rechargeable. But then even those at some point go out. They can only be recharged for so long. But because our God is everlasting, he's an everlasting father. Watch this. Isaiah 9 it reminds us his government and, his, and, and its peace will never end. Isaiah 9, 7. His government and its peace will never end. Hold on. I got to say that again because y'all got quiet. Let me say this again. His government. And here's the good news. It's peace. Hold on now. What you saying, Pastor B? The government of our Lord comes with peace. (laughs) His authority, the governing power of our lives on earth and in heaven comes with peace. And guess what? it will never end. Everything in your life has an expiration date. Amen. Your driver's license, your credit cards. Huh? The milk in your refrigerator, some of y'all have let that go already past that date. The canned goods in your pantry, some of y'all got stuff in there from 2003. I ain't going to say no names, but I know it. Huh? I know and I know I know I know even the soy milk has An expiration date that's kind of long, but listen, everything has an expiration date. Everything in life, the battery in your car has an expiration date, right? Your life here on earth has an expiration date. But do you know what don't have (laughs) no expiration date? The peace that comes from his government. It never expires. Listen, it outlives you and your children, and it's still here. It never expires. So what are you saying, Pastor B? Make sense of that, preacher man. I'm going to help you right here. That no matter where you are in life, all you got to do is get some of that peace that never runs out. You never, listen, it's the same peace that he told the woman. If you would just connect with me, you'll never be thirsty again. You're trying to get water from this well that'll eventually go dry. But if you sip from my well, you'll never be thirsty again. And here's what's happening. Too many of us are sipping from wells that'll go dry. We're looking at affirmations and I don't want to offend anybody, but we're looking for affirmations from earthly fathers who are still looking for affirmations from their earthly fathers who are still looking for affirmations from their earthly fathers. And what happens is we're looking at them to fill a void that only our heavenly father can fill. Can I talk to y'all a little bit this morning? And I think once we realize that If I put my faith in the everlasting father, I'm going to take the pressure off my earthly father because he can't feel the void that only my heavenly father can feel. So I'm going to take the pressure off of him and I'm going to rely on him. And if I rely on my heavenly father, maybe, just maybe, what my heavenly father deposits in me, I can deposit in my earthly father and we end generational stuff. Catch what I'm saying here. Because he's the everlasting father. Even when your earthly father departs this earth, you still got the everlasting father. Yeah. Even when daddy don't show up to your games and you still feel a about body, you still have the everlasting father. Yeah. Even if you never even known your father, you know there is a father. We call him Abba, our father, the everlasting father that you can call on the one who sent his only begotten son. The everlasting father whose government brings Peace. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all of eternity. And we know that that prophecy came true. Why? Because Luke 2, chapter 11, Luke chapter 2, verses 11 through 12 says it's The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem. Where's Bethlehem? The city of David. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Pull that together again, Pastor B. You just said something. Yes, I said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice. Where? From the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. Now, let's go all the way back to Luke. What did you say there in the New Testament, Pastor B? I said that the Savior was born. We know that. The Messiah, the messenger of the one who's bringing the good news, the Lord, the one who leads, has been born today. Where? In Bethlehem. Well, where's Bethlehem, Pastor B? It's the city of David. This prophecy spoken long ago. Here it is. We see the fruit of it. It's here. It's manifested just in the New Testament, the Old Testament prophecy fulfilled right here in Luke chapter 2, 11 through 12. He says, and you will recognize the sign, recognize him by his sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Let me talk about that woman who had the issue of bleeding. And let me talk about the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in. If you, if you don't know this, that cloth was not, you know, like some snuggly stuff that you get from Macy's. It wasn't like, you know, some Vera Wayne covers and nothing like that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, thousand count Egyptian cotton sheets. No, no, no one like that. These cloth, strips of cloth were, you know, how can I say it, um, the old version of always. Okay, my lady should have said amen to that. Uh, In other words, these were menstruation cloths that our Jesus was wrapped in. Our Jesus was wrapped in cloths that women used during that time of the month. I'm just going to paint what the real vision is here so you understand it. And then there's a woman that has an issue with that where she can't stop bleeding down there. And she touches the person who was wrapped in the thing that could absorb the stuff that's coming out of her. And she said, if I could just touch the new cloth that he's wrapped in, then it could all be over. And I'm telling you, some of y'all are hemorrhaging spiritually right now. You're hemorrhaging spiritually. You've been hemorrhaging spiritually for a long time. And you ain't had nothing to absorb the blood. And I want to tell you, we're going to exchange what you've been hemorrhaging for the new blood, the blood that was shed for you, the blood that died on Calvary for you, that if you connect with that blood, the one, that blood that carries the weight of the government on its shoulder for you so you don't have to worry about the mess of the world. If you exchange that, watch this, and it's by faith. The same faith that this lady had to say, if I can just touch his new cloth that he's wrapped in, then the hemorrhaging can stop. If you have that same faith, Facebook family, listen to me. You too can stop the hemorrhaging that you're experiencing spiritually. But you've got to just by faith say, I'm going to touch just the hem of his new thing he's wrapped in. That's the menstruation cloths he was wrapped in. See, those menstruation cloths control some kind of hemorrhaging that happens once a month. This lady had hemorrhaging for 12 years. Some of y'all have been hemorrhaging spiritually for longer than that. You're empty. You're depleted spiritually. And I'm telling you by faith, step out there. By faith, by faith, reach out for his garment. Reach out as if he's right there and see if that don't change. Why? Because he's the everlasting father. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. I'm done right here. It tells us this, that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. That's the place of the Gentiles. He returned back there, right? And this is the place, watch this, where they said. This is the place where they said that, that this, this child would be born from, that, that the government would rest on this child who would come from Galilee. Here it is. When Jesus had heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned, meaning he was already in Galilee. He returned to the place of the Gentiles. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, Capernaum, beside the sea of the Gentiles, Galilee, in the region of, hold on, Zebulun and Naphtali. Say that again, pastor. In the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Watch this. Verse 14. This fulfilled (laughs) what God said. Through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. Beside the sea. Beyond the Jordan River. In Galilee. Where so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness. Have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land. Where death cast its shadow. A light has shined. Why is all of this important Pastor B? I mean you did a great demonstration of how this works out you did wonderful exhortation and 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 wonderful homiletics on it but but how does this matter to me ready from isaiah chapter 9 to what i just read to you in matthew that wasn't a 12-year wait from isaiah chapter 9 to what i just read to you that wasn't a hundred year wait From Isaiah chapter 9 to what I just read to you, that wasn't a 500-year wait. What I just read to you took over a 1,000 years. What does that mean for me, Pastor B? You could be at that end point in this millennial. And when he does what he said he's going to do. What I mean is this. It was prophesied by Isaiah a long time ago. We read here in the Bible that it did happen. What does that mean? When I tell you that his promises are yes and amen, when I tell you according to Psalm 33 that whatever he planned for you will happen, the plans that he has for you last forever, guess what? Forever is you got to keep on going because whatever he said he's going to do, he is going to do it. But what happens is, watch this, we run out of time before he does. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying You die. You get tired, as my pastor, uh, Doctor Darius Daniel says. We get faith fatigue. <laughs> we get faith fatigue. I- I've had enough faith for twenty years, but you know what? Ain't nothing happened. It ain't gonna happen. Hold on, wait a minute. I just showed you in Isaiah what happened. It's a thousand year difference to what actually happened. Isaiah said the Messiah is coming. He would carry the weight on his shoulder. He will be born in the city of David. Then I show you in Matthew that that did happen, that these people, these Gentiles were saved. And because Jesus was intentional in reaching out to Gentiles, today we have the church. So what am I trying to tell you? That there is still time. That God is not a man that he should lie If He said he's going to do it. All of his promises are simply yes. Yes, I'm going to do it. Amen. That's all you need to say. That settles it. Your time is not up. So stop giving up. I know it's been a long time. But 40 years in our eyes is but a day to God. That's right. <laughs> I've been waiting so long. I'm so tired of the waiting. I'm so tired of praying and believing and ain't nothing happening. You got faith fatigue. But what happens when you get tired? Most of us. Come on, let's be honest. Let's just say tomorrow you got to go to work and you stayed up late. Watching UFC, didn't get home to two o'clock. I'm not gonna say what people did that last <laughs> night. <laughs> Let's just say I I was kind of part of that crew. And it was a crew, it wasn't just me. But hear me. So when you're physically tired, what do you do to replenish? Right? Some of you, you know, we rely on caffeine, right? We'll go get some coffee and we're revived, right? Some of us, you know, we do the five-hour energy, right? We're revived. Others of us do energy drinks. We're revived, right? Why? Because we're fatigued physically. So we, we, we find a mechanism, watch this, to replenish us, to give us energy. Why? To keep going and sustain ourselves for the day. Catch this. When we're having faith fatigue, I got something for you. Yes. <laughs> when I'm having faith fatigue, when I've been praying and I've been on my knees and I've been crying and I've been waiting all of this long time. I'm, God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired, of, uh, so, so, so tired of praying. I'm so tired of crying. I'm so tired of this happening and that happening. And when is it going to get better? I see everybody else winning except for me. If it ain't one thing, it's another. When, when it rains, it pours. And God said, you're suffering from faith fatigue. But I, what, I, what, what I want you to do is just open up your Bible and go to Psalm 33 and let me show you something in there that that all of the plans I have for you, guess what? They're forever. I know it didn't happen yet, but that don't mean it's not going to. I know it didn't happen the way you wanted it to, but that don't mean it hasn't happened. I, I, I know you're getting tired, but hang on there a little while longer. But guess what? Faith fatigue don't happen. Watch this. Just reading this Bible. You got to be around some other believers and be like, girl, you better lift your head up. What you walking around with your head down for? Boy, you better pound yourself on the chest. Do you know who you are? You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God, a God who has not been defeated, a God who rules and reigns over the earth, a God whose promises are yes and amen. The God that we call Rafa, the one who can heal, the God that we call omnipotent, he is mighty in power and valor. The one that we call, watch this, Rafa, the one that we call Jaira, the one who provides for us. You serve a God that has not failed or left you yet. The one that goes before you and he follows you. Yeah. 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 But if you ain't around people that will tell you that, you'll still walk around. Oh, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm waving the white flag. I'm waving a white flag. And we all know the white flag is what? Surrender, nope. If you're a NASCAR fan, the white flag means you got one more lap. Wow. Wow. yeah. See off me, let's say surrender, no. But see, when you, when you ain't with some people that's around you encouraging you, waving that white flag of surrender, And somebody see you waving a white flag. They cheering you on, like, "Yes, you got one more lap. You got one more lap. You in your final lap. Don't you give up?" Press down on the accelerator. Give it all you got, baby. You got one more lap. This is your final lap. Go around the walls of Jericho. This is your final lap. Keep on going. That wall is going to fall. Keep on going. Don't you quit. But while you're going, you got to shout hallelujah. 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 Until the wall comes down. You waving the wrong flag, baby. You got one more lap. We're in a NASCAR race, the race of our life. You're waving a wrong flag, baby, because all of his promises, they last forever. Change up your flag and change up your swag. I'm done.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.